presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. And as we finish up our formal practice, start to move our bodies. You might find it useful just to check on the confidence, like maybe Maybe it's possible for me to live with this attitude all day long, whatever I have to do, whomever I have to be around. May this goodness continue, may it increase, may it never end. So just holding that possibility. And as we have our time for a discussion coming up, even in the sort of strangeness of the Zoom world, you know, we can just see, well, what does maintaining or developing, beginning again, this attitude, this generous, open, inclusive attitude, what is it like when we're having a conversation together? And what gets in the way? And then when I notice what gets in the way, how to... Let that just be the next thing. Oh, I care about that too. And as you know, this is a great time. Just, uh, I often say, you know, we've been living many years, some of us, and we've learned a thing or two about love and the functionality of that goodness of the heart and what gets in the way. So this is a time just to share your own learnings with the group. It's also a good time to check in about the practice and to clarify any practice questions you have. Uh, one of the things I put into the uh, chat, I'll do it again in case you didn't get it, but besides the information about supporting the center, there's also a handout um, that just outlines these four steps, how to arouse loving kindness or just the importance of creatively arousing it, how to sense that generosity once that goodness of metta is aroused, like it has that inclusive or generous quality, how to experience the boundlessness so that there are no boundaries to where that goodness can go, and how to, in a sense, relax back and uh, trust and abide and metta. And I like to think of that as the four stages. That's somewhat how one of my t important teachers, Venerable Analio, talks about loving kindness practice in those four ways. And I've kind of adopted it. It seems like a good way to arouse, to sense the generosity, the inclusivity of that metta, to notice its boundless quality that nothing needs to be left out, nothing. We don't have to throw anything out of our heart and to abide. So to stop thinking that I have to do the metta, but just to realize it's here and I can in a relax with it, be it. Be the love, the radiance of goodness, not feel compelled to do it. It's already here, that inclusive. Because, you know, the thing about metta, the way it's talked about in the tradition it's much more about the absence of fear and aversion 
as opposed to like something that I have to generate. It's really more the, what we're doing is finding ways to abandon the hatred, the fear, the negativity. And what's left is that wide, open, inclusive, generous quality that we might call love or metta. So I'll turn it over to all of you. Be nice to hear from some of you. You can either raise your digital hand, or if you don't know how to do that, just unmute yourself, introduce yourself. Maybe with your first name, you can share your pronouns so we don't accidentally misgender anybody. Anybody feel like beginning the conversation? What have you been learning? What did you learn tonight? Okay, I was just saying that I came in a little late, and so I missed the beginning of your talk. But just now, you mentioned about doing this practice is a way to reduce or eliminate fear. And I think that's really fascinating because just last night I was on a meditation app and the meditation that I listened to was about reducing fear. And that is the first time I think I've heard that expressed. So I just, it's really, really interesting to me that that, what we're doing right now. So would you say that metta practice, that is one of the things that occurs? Yeah, and the way it's described in the early Buddhist tradition is they just literally don't fit into the same heart at the same time. Fear or hate, any expression of aversion and metta, it's like in any one moment of the mind, you can't have both coexisting. Because there's sort of different expressions of the mind. You know, the mind that's closed and tight because of some fear or hate or negativity. As soon as metta enters the mind, as soon as I have some metta for the hate or for the fear, that more generous, inclusive, oh, honey, you're afraid. That's no longer fear. Like the, the loving attention to the fear isn't the mind caught in fear. The fear is in a sense there, but what's really there is the heart that knows how to see it and feel it. Oh, honey, you're afraid and I care about this. I care enough to be honest about it, that there's fear. I care enough to be willing to feel. Like that quote I read from Joseph Goldstein, you know, where he says like, if the proximate cause for compassion is exposure to suffering, why don't we have a more compassionate world? And remember his response was, the problem is, I'm just reading now, the problem is that often our hearts are not open to feel the pain. And that's the deal is we have to be willing to feel the pain of the fear. Because that's what compassion and love does. It's like when the love is strong, then it's like I'm willing, I care enough to be willing to feel 
what it feels like to be afraid. I'm not afraid to feel what it feels like to be afraid. Because it doesn't, that feeling of fear is unpleasant. But love has the stability, compassion has the stability, the confidence. I'm not afraid to feel this. In the same way, like if you go see, you know, the more classic example of compassion is going to see a dear one who's suffering or dying or something in the hospital. And if you're really afraid of their suffering, you're not being compassionate. I mean, it's totally understandable that we might be afraid of it. But real compassion is like, I see you're really hurting. I see that you're really afraid. And I'm not afraid that you're really afraid. Because I have, in this moment at least, I have a love that knows how to hold your fear, to hold your upset. Just like, you know, the classic example would be a mother or grandmother with a child that's really tantruming or really upset. It's like a wise parent, a wise grandparent, they're not afraid of the kid freaking out, screaming, yelling, oh, honey, it's not easy being a human being sometimes. Or, you know, you would say that to a kid, but that would be the spirit like, uh, yeah, this is what kids do. They freak out sometimes. And I get it. And I'm not going to abandon you because just because you're loud and screaming and hitting and whatever kids do when they're tantruming, you know, I get it. And I'm not going to throw you out of my heart. Yeah, Jenny, any other thoughts about that? No, I just am so surprised that it was such a new concept and that here it is coming up again. And I think, as I recalled, it was about as soon as you recognize you're afraid, which is kind of that then, um, that it's the recognition. And that's kind of what you're saying too. It's like when you recognize that there, the fear is there, you can have self-compassion. Yeah, but you have to recognize it with metta, with that wisdom and love. Because remember, I could recognize the fear with aversion. Like, why am I afraid again? When am I going to be done with this fear? I'm tired of being afraid of everything. Get your act together, Mark, right? So it's like it's being aware of it in a balanced, inclusive way, which is already the metta. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Yes, Sandy. Yeah, I love this discussion too, because I've actually, I really, I feel that, I feel that um, they don't coexist. Like when we can really get in that meta space, you know, I think somehow I found like my own pattern of fear. Like that does seem to be my, the last few years, I guess, just the default and this practice, if you really take the time to get in the energy of the metta, there is that feeling of they're not coexisting. Like, oh, I've, I've, things have loosened. It's, it's moved away and the, the metta, 
And I was also going to say in the metta's filling up that that's that constriction is just sort of released, I guess, is how I it feels for me. And it it very much spills over into equanimity. Like it really belongs. Like it's not that I'm trying to push the fear away. It's really that I'm looking, leaning into it almost, um, and then watching, watching it change, the energy of it change. Um, and it really, I like that expression of non-fear, because it's, it's not like um, fear isn't going to come again, um, or those habits aren't going to come again, but as you start to recognize the space of metta, or I do, I just recognize that space of non-fear too, more and more. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. a lot of words you were saying. That's beautiful, Sandy. Go ahead, did you have more to say? No, no, just a lot of what you're, a lot of the phrasing you were using is, just feels familiar little by little. Yeah. Me. Yeah, and it's so, it is surprising, just like you're saying. And uh, you see, like from what Sandy was saying, it really shifts the mind's understanding about how to relate to defilements or any of those negative patterns that we have in our personality. Because we see, like, normally we relate to those habits, those negative, you know, reactive habits that we all have, each of us in our own way, as like a weed that I got to get in there and dig out. But it's understandable that we might have that understanding, but it's not quite right. The weeds in our personality, they're just things to love, <laughs> doesn't mean we don't want to weed them out or it doesn't mean that they're not dangerous if we act out those unhealthy patterns, whatever it might be. Self-hatred might be somebody's unhealthy pattern or being aggressive or whatever it might be. But the deal is the weeding out really is in that flip of just, I care about you. I see you. I sense how... You got triggered. I see that you're unwholesome, that you're not helping. But you are, it is the way that it is. So I'm going to transform you by being close to you and not afraid of you and being willing to feel what it feels like. And that's not a negative state of mind. That's a beautiful, enlightened state of mind to be not afraid of unwholesome tendencies is wisdom, not an unwholesome tendency. It's a little magic, or maybe a better word is alchemy, you know, that something gets transformed by relating to it with kindness. Yeah, thanks, Sandy. Looks like Lisa has some thoughts to share with the group. Lisa, she, her, and I'm in Berkeley, California. Um, and I, I, I wanted to share something that, that was related to uh, 
very much related to that, the body scan that we did, which was something that I read from Sharon Salzberg recently, where she said um, that as you go down your body and you focus on an area, either an area that you are resistant to because it's, it's hurt or injured or in pain, or it's a part of your body you just don't like, and you, you know, you, you feel very resistant or aversive to that part of your body that you, that you, um, you say, you know, may, you know, may my stomach be happy. May it live with ease. I mean, that you're actually wishing the body, each body part, that kind of loving kindness wish. And, um, I don't know, there's something about that isolating each part like that, that really resonated for me because, um, I tend to sort of globalize <laughs> um, everything, and and um, and oftentimes there there's something smaller in there that's that's bothering me, but I I'm not I'm not fully conscious of you know of where that aversion's you know where that's located, and so um, you know sometimes we don't even notice when parts of us are tense, and just sort of sending that part love is is so powerful so i wanted to thank you i thought it was a, a wonderful session today yeah thanks lisa that's yeah that's just really beautiful what you said and and you know these techniques or whatever you want to call them they're just ways to expose just like you said they expose these subtle habits like where we bury pain and then it can't resolve because it's hidden and it can be hidden in places of the body. So when we do, it might seem sort of sentimental or silly to someone to be moving systematically through the body and sending loving wishes or wishes for healing or wishes for ease to the different places of the body. But it, it really kind of interrupts like I, I encourage you, even if it seems silly or dumb or you just don't want to do it, to do it anyway. Because what's the harm? You know what I mean? It's like, why is the mind resistant? Not that you have to do it every day, but from time to time. And it's a lot like, you know, in the Vasudhi Maga, the way that Sharon often teaches loving kindness practice. They have a whole way of doing it where you know you have your benefactor and yourself and your loved ones and acquaintances, neutral people, difficult people, all beings, beings to the north, beings to the south, to the east, to the west, above, below, all of, they have all these different beings and all these different directions. And the idea is to expose places where the heart is unconsciously closed off, where we've sort of buried some hidden pain or some unresolved pain. And uh, so even though you may not be inclined to be systematic in these ways, whether it's with a body scan or with using different beings, there are reasons for these kind of practices. Basically, we're exposing to ourselves, ourself, you know, we're using these sort of strange techniques, you know, where we're being somewhat systematic in order to uncover what we're unlikely to uncover, see what we're not seeing. Oh, isn't that interesting? I don't want to bring that person to mind. Or isn't that interesting? I really don't know how to fill my belly. 
It's like, I can feel my jaw, I can feel my upper chest, but when I go to the abdomen, it's like Teflon. The awareness just slips somewhere else. It's like, well, that's interesting. And we really take it on as a project. You know what? I'm going to learn how to be present. Even if the sensations are initially completely nondescript or numb, that's something to feel. I'll feel that and see what's underneath that and then what's underneath that. And then, and boy, whole worlds can show up doing it that way. It's a nice thing to do before we go to bed, like when you're lying down, like you're already in bed, in your PJs, lying down, to do that meta body scan in your own particular way, the way you like to do it. But just to make sure that nothing's excluded, nothing's left out. And when you have the whole body, then it's so easy, like if you have a partner there in the room, to include them, pet, neighbors, and outward from there. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Welcome from Berkeley, my old hometown. <laughs> or at least where I lived for a while. Any other thoughts for the community? Hi, I'm Mark. Uh, this is Sheila, uh, she, her. Um, I, you know, I use the phrases and I try to feel meta, but it's like, how do you generate it? Like, I don't really feel it. So yeah, that's really my question. Yeah, and you might even before you start using phrases, um, just work on that general category that we might call arousing metta. And in that place and practice, I mean, there is a strategy to just keep repeating the phrases, even if they don't mean much to us and it feels somewhat repetitive. There's, there's is some value just sticking with that. That's one strategy. But what I might recommend for you, Sheila, is to use some skillful thought. Like, you know, you can even touch your heart while you do this and just wonder, sincerely wonder, have I noticed this heart's capacity to be loving? When have I noticed a very natural, uncontrived goodness. And then you might just see what comes to mind. Oh yeah, I was walking home yesterday and I saw the puppy in the yard and my heart was open, I, you know. And just, oh yeah, that heart in that moment, for a moment, that was a pure good, pure goodness of heart. I didn't have any ill will towards that puppy, toward that bird, toward that kid across the street, toward my friend in this one moment. Two moments before, I had some ill will. But in that moment, so basically what we're doing is we're using our lived experience and the memory of our lived experience to start building confidence. You know what? This heart is capable of being good. Good in a way that I'm not trying to get anything back. It's not like a business kind of goodness where I'll be good to you if you're good to me. It's just like pure generosity, that love that we, it could be just even talking to a clerk at a grocery store for 30 seconds, but it was like total generosity. I was having this nice exchange. It was beautiful. I didn't 
think I was going to get anything I could take home and be, you know, like some solid uh, payback for being good. No, it was just pure good. The more we remember those moments, then the, it just begs the question, well, what about now? Can that goodness be evoked now? Because the way back is the memory has a little bit of the goodness right now. When we truly remember a moment that our heart was open and in a good way, that goodness is right there in that moment of remembering it. And that's the transition. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. And and I feel like, yeah, I do have a lot of those moments, um, you know, with different people, uh, including a store clerk, you know, that you just chat, you just chat with them, you become friendly with them. Uh, so I guess just remembering the memory of those uh, times. Yeah. And, and what it feels like, like ask, what is that feeling? Because you may be expecting it to be somehow more ornate than it actually is. Because, you know, different people have different personalities. And for certain types, it has a very ordinary feel. Like the real feeling of metta is the absence of ill will. Not some glorious, radiant flowering of the heart. But just like, there's no ill will in this heart. And that's okay. beautiful. Okay. Yeah, in that case, I do feel it then. <laughs> I, I believe that, Sheila. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing with us. We have a little bit more time. Any other thoughts for the group? Other learnings you've had recently that you'd like to share or questions that might be emerging? I'd like to share. Uh, thank you, Marvi, and uh, it's good to be here with you all. Um, this willingness to, to be with uh, the, it feels like um, letting go of expectations or the question of when is this fear going to go away and really it, it seems like seems like this kind of sense of time or projecting a, a, a fixing attitude is just kind of it brings the unknown that much closer and kind of yeah like a pointing towards the truth and so having this kind of like love for the truth i don't know it just feels like truth can feel like well conditions just move into conditions i really don't have any control of that and can that be okay? Um, I don't know. Things start to feel kind of like just moving. Like conditions are just going to move into conditions. And I, I guess when doing meta, it's kind of like that, that, that shift of touching into the condition with this, like, I care um, feeling. Um, it kind of feels a little selfless because there isn't any projecting of I'm doing this in order to get something. And um, it gets mysterious. I was with a long-term friend today and um, 
he's been going through some heavy stuff and I, I kind of got together on this kind of like surface level. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to go see this movie. And, um, but I just want to be with him because I know he's going through a lot. Um, I don't, we just started making some small jokes that turned into laughter and then turned into like more laughter into like crying laughter to the point where I'm like, I got to drive. I got to drive. Like I'm wiping tears from my eyes. Like, and it just felt kind of like this, I don't know, like some natural cathartic humor just like brought out the goodness or got to something that maybe wasn't being acknowledged. Um, that being unknown, but it, it did come out in a way that was just, and I'm wondering if that was maybe wholesome humor or <laughs> unintentional, not controlled humor. I don't know, but that's what happened. So yeah, thanks for listening. Yes, beautiful. And I think that might, you know, just shift what Cam was saying, how we go forward, like instead of, okay, you know, after a session like we've just had to say, you know, make this resolve, okay, I'm going to be loving. That That's the most important thing or something like that. But it might be more useful instead to think, I'm going to really notice those moments where there really isn't any ill will any negativity. And it might be like that moment that Cam described, you know, in hindsight, reflecting back on it, you know, because we can, even with our memory, we can have a pretty clear sense, you know, the nature of the mind in that moment was pretty pure. There was very little, if any, ill will, any negativity. That was goodness. May that goodness continue, may it increase, may it never end. It's really important that we start noticing these moments when, yeah, the, just the heart's capacity to be wide open and undefended. You know, because those moments have a little wildness to them. It's like nobody's trying to keep themselves safe in some of those moments. And it can be kind of interesting, like even Sheila mentioned the being with the cashier. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to have a friendly interaction, but it's another thing to have a friendly interaction and to notice that it's a friendly interaction. So it's not on autopilot. It's an it's a ordinary, friendly, beautiful interaction, nothing special, but really pure in the sense, no ill will, nobody trying to get anything from the interaction. And then you add to that wisdom and awareness that understands this is simple beauty in real time. So it's the same thing like, you know, this is what we mean. Like if to whatever degree Cam in that moment of laughing with the friend, to whatever degree there was awareness, an uncontrived awareness of the quality of the heart in that moment, like that it was only good. There was no closed heartedness at all that was operating in the mind in that moment or those moments. Because that's what we want to see. It's like the realization or the insight is, oh, 
I didn't know this heart was capable of so much goodness, so much purity, so much openness, so much space of, you know, freedom from ill will, from any kind of fear. So it's not just about a moment of non-fear, non-hate, it's realizing the moment, the moments of non-hate and non-fear. Because that leaves a real impression when we see the goodness. And not just see it here, but we also want to see it in others when they're in that place. Like, oh, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Any last thoughts for the group? Any other words, Cam? Uh, no, um, yeah, there feels yeah, like the caring capacity is expanding, so yeah, thank you. I had one last um, thing I wanted to share. I'm Sally, and I'm located in Sarasota, Florida. And um, I had I worked with a client this afternoon. I'm a coach, and um, it just struck me when we were talking tonight about loving kindness and, and how difficult it is for some people, and I find more with men than women, to turn it on themselves and to see themselves in that light of being loving toward themselves. I mean, this this particular man, has he's in his 50s, and he has never, ever turned turned it around and been kind to himself. He, he It's so unfamiliar to him to say something kind to himself. And so I guess what I'm thinking is that's probably very common that we don't know how to, we can probably say kind things to others and yet we're not learning to do this for ourselves and <laughs> how important that is to teach our children, to teach everyone to say these kinds of things to ourselves too. I just want to mention that. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Mark, I'm really here for you. All right, so everyone... Ready? You got to do it for yourself. And it's like Sally suggesting, why does that seem so weird that we would say to ourselves sincerely, hey, honey, I'm really here for you. You are just, you know, speaking to ourselves, I am just as deserving of my love as anybody else is deserving of my love. And I got your back and I want what is only good for you, Mark. And I'm, I'm really going to practice not throwing you out of my heart. Right? <laughs> so try that a couple of times before you go to bed tonight and see what happens. See what gets that emotion. I really appreciate everybody's wise comments. Really makes for a rich evening together. What a sweet time it is to spend an hour and a half reflecting on this practice. So wishing everyone well. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Have a good evening, everybody. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. See you again. Bye. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.